Those of you who have been part of Faith Life for a while will know I get to preach every now and again, but it isn't every now and again, which means that every time it comes, it's quite a... Uh. <laughs> um, and I'm always very conscious that, as I'm sure every preacher is, I know certainly Mark is, but every preacher is, that you don't want, don't want to just bring a word that you think will be good for the church. You don't want to just bring a word that you think might be what people need, but you actually want to bring what the Spirit is saying. So that inevitably means you have to spend time in prayer and waiting on God. Um, and so I'm somebody that doesn't like to be last minute. I know a lot of people do, but I don't. <laughs> so I'm like on this a bit ahead of time and saying, okay, God, what is it? What's on your heart? And I'm thinking, is it this? But just now the Spirit's not settling on that. Like, is it this? No, no. Anyway, it was really good for me that we had a bank holiday on Monday because it meant I had a whole day to myself to pray and seek God, <laughs> which I was doing. Still nothing settling in my spirit. Got to about two o'clock in the afternoon. I was saying, come on, God. <laughs> I kind of want to have this today, really. Anyway, I was struck by the fact that God says to us to ask and keep asking, to knock and keep knocking, to seek and keep seeking. And so that's what I did. And I was also very aware of the fact that some time ago with other things, God had spoken to me about the fact that he always gives the oil for what I need. He'll always give me what I need. So I have to just keep holding on to that. And that you know, God is always very gracious and he takes us where we're at. If we need something quickly, he'll give it to us quickly. But actually, if there is time, he just, you know, tests us for our character, I think, doesn't he? Because he, he's got a bigger picture in mind than just me preaching to you this morning. He's also working something big in my heart as I do that. Anyway, eventually, I, something just suddenly came. So on the one hand, and I don't want this to sound wrong, but I, I do feel confident that what I'm bringing this morning is what the Holy Spirit gave me to bring you. Yeah, I'm also going to be confident that it's the Holy Spirit now that is going to enable me to speak it out. Because if it isn't, if it's Olive that takes it over, we'll lose something of it. So pray for me <laughs> that it's the Holy Spirit that speaks this word through me. And just the same, I'm also trusting that you guys are going to receive it by the Spirit of Christ that's in you. Yeah? Spirit to spirit is what we're looking for this morning. So you have the very amusing thing that's going to happen this morning in that Olive is going to talk to you about oil. <laughs> Feel free to laugh. I thought that was quite funny. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Thank you. That, that would be good. So I haven't got slides for you this morning, but I do have a visual aid. I do have a visual aid. This is my, what I thought looked quite authentic to an old, old jar of oil. I have had that for a very long time, um, <laughs> so I don't want to break it. But there we go. There's my jar of oil. Sorry. Hopefully you can see, guys over there can see it. And I'm going to speak to you this morning about oil. So... The first thing we're going to do is read a story because this is basically where the Holy Spirit took me and then I just got stuff from this story that God wants to share today. So the story is found in 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 to 7 and I'm going to read it to you. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And one version it says, what have you of value in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. And then go in, shut the door behind yourself and your sons, and pour into these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. 
So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. And then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live off the rest. So we find ourselves here in a story where there is someone who is feeling somewhat overwhelmed by her situation. She's faced with losing her two sons to slavery. She's already lost her husband. And she doesn't have enough to deal with that situation. She's desperate. I mean, that's a pretty desperate situation, isn't it? You've lost your husband. You're about to lose your two kids to slavery. She's got nothing to do. I don't know how to handle this situation. She couldn't get out of of that situation of herself. So she did the thing that she knew to do, which was to go to the man of God. Now, thankfully, we're not, in this country anyway, in the position where we're likely to lose our kids to slavery. Not literally anyway. But it did strike me that some of us in this place might be feeling a little bit worried, maybe, that we might lose our children, not to literal slavery, but outside of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness. Maybe some of us are already in that situation where we felt we've lost our sons or our daughters into that place. You know, and maybe that situation is a situation that means we feel overwhelmed. And we're going to talk about what to do about that in a minute. But we all, I'm sure, in this room will have had situations in our past where we felt overwhelmed by things. Probably you face, several of us will be facing those now. And if we're not now, we probably soon will be. Because that's life, isn't it? There's always things that are happening. And there's always things about where we're at in that moment in time as to how overwhelmed by those things that we feel. That we feel. It's a reality of what happens in life. We don't have enough. We reach that place where we feel we don't have enough for whatever's in front of us. It might be for something to do with our circumstances or for a need that we see in someone else. But whatever, we just know we haven't got enough and we're overwhelmed by it. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I suspect most of us, the initial thing in that situation is that we start to think and say things like, ah, I can't do this. Ah, this is too much. I'm so stressed. I don't know what to do about this. I'm overwhelmed. And that's kind of like what happens, isn't it? And it's not because it's an inaccurate assessment of the situation. It's true that that is how we're feeling in that moment. But I've found that if all I do, and please hear me in this, if all I do in that situation is keep confessing that to myself and then maybe to other people, that all that happens is actually that situation gets worse because it becomes bigger in my own eyes. There's something about what we think, so are we. There's something about what we confess and it gives a power to that thing. Um, So all it does is compound that situation. Now, I'm not in any way suggesting that we should ignore it or that we should pretend it's not real because clearly you only have to read the Psalms to know that's not how God likes us to be. Um, But there is a better way, I'd like to suggest, of us handling those situations, a better thing that we can do. And just like that woman in the story went to the man of God and cried out to him. So I believe that the first thing that when we're faced with situations that overwhelm us, the first thing God wants us to do is to cry out to him. He's quite happy to hear what we're saying, but we don't stay in that place because just like David in the Psalms, we lift our eyes, don't we? And we start to think about who he is and not who we are. You see, I'm never enough. Contrary to popular belief, which tells you you are, and I get where it's coming from, so don't hear me wrong. But contrary to popular belief, I am not enough. I am not enough. 
but I have inside me one who is. Um, and that's what God wants us to realize. So coming into his presence and lifting our eyes up and considering him and who he is, how big he is. You know, the one that created the universe, the galaxies that hang in space, um, the intricacies of little flowers, um, a baby being born inside someone, how that's put together. There are so many things that would just make us realize how great and how powerful and how almighty God is. But that's not enough just to know that he's all powerful. We also need to know that actually he loves you. He loves you. He's for you. And he's there to help you. And he doesn't want you to walk through things on your own. So I often find that when I come to him and start to see him or see things from his perspective, that's the change. See, we often look at things from our earthly perspective, our human perspective, instead of looking at them from God's perspective. And one of the songs that over the years has really helped me in this situation, you can probably guess the line, is, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Um, give me vision to see things like you do. That's a really good starting point. And sometimes that's all we need. You see, if we can get ourselves into that place of remembering who God is um, and, and seeing things from his perspective, that's enough actually suddenly to change that whole thing for us. So sometimes that's enough. I remember sitting once by a river. I do quite a lot of that if I can. <laughs> good place to hear God. And I was sat on a low bench and I was looking at the view in front of me, and opposite me was this huge, huge, huge tree. And I just imagined, you know, what about if I was sat in that tree, right at the top of that tree now, what would my vision, what would I be seeing? What would my perspective be? It would be so different, wouldn't it? I don't know if you've ever done that. There's one at Kew Gardens, isn't it, where you can walk up in the canopy of the trees. It gives you a really different perspective of a tree than what you have at the bottom. And sometimes that's what God wants us to do, isn't it? And it's enough for us just to lift our perspective and get his perspective on our situation. But of course, the other part of that song, which is really helpful as well, is that the next bit says, God, I look to you. You are where my help comes from. I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at you. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Because there are some situations we'll find ourselves in that we'll need some wisdom from God as to what to do. It may be that there are some changes that have to happen. Maybe that there are some people that you need to talk through things with. You see, God is the one who gives us wisdom to know what to do. It's not just a wisdom of knowing things, it's knowing what to do. And that's the kind of wisdom we need, isn't it? In James 1.5, you could probably all quote it. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to everyone without reproach, and it will be given to him. You see, God hasn't designed it that we do this life on our own. He's designed it that we have a dependence and a trust on him, in him. And that when we're in these situations that we find too overwhelming that the first thing we do is run to him, cry to him. Man of God, she said to Elisha. And we go, God, I'm feeling overwhelmed. What would you have me do? What would you, how can I see this? What, what is it that you want to speak to me about? So that's the first thing I want you to get from this story. But then, so she goes to the, the man of God, Elisha, and he says to her, what do you have in your house of value? And I think God is asking, you know, when I was getting this, God was asking this same question. What do you have in your house, Olive? Now, just to be clear, I'm not talking about my house in which I've got a bed and a table. Yeah, I'm talking about this. <laughs> there you go. That doesn't work, does it? This. My body, me, the inside of me, that's my house, my dwelling place. Yeah, that's my house. And God says, what do you have inside of you? What do you have inside of you? And this woman replies, I have nothing except jar of oil. Olive oil, probably it was, I think. 
Could have been a medicinal oil, could have been an anointing oil, but it was probably olive oil. <laughs> That's what she had, nothing except a jar of oil. And you're not going to get this now, but right, I want to say to you, how exciting is that? How exciting to be in that place where you have nothing except a jar of oil. Because what does the oil represent in Scripture? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And I believe God wants to get us all, part of our journey is to get us into that place where we understand we have nothing except the Holy Spirit. And as, much, as long as there's stuff inside of us that we depend on that is us, if, it means his spirit can't work. And his spirit is so much more than we, you or I can ever be. So I want us to get into that place of being able to say, I have nothing except your Holy Spirit. So Jesus often talked to me, in John especially, we hear about him saying to his disciples, abide in me. I'm in you. You're in me. My father's in me. He's in me. You're in me. It's all this, all in, in together. And Jesus always said, I can do nothing by myself, only what the father gives me to do. You see, of course we can do things. Of course we can. I look around this room and I can see some people who have all sorts of things that they can do, all sorts of gifts and talents. And I'm, that's right that we've got those. But there's a way in the kingdom in which all of these things need to be used and all of these things need to be done. And if they're done from our own strength, they lack what they really need. They need to be done from the place of the Holy Spirit. So I've written here some lists of my can'ts. <laughs> I can, but I can't. Hopefully you'll get what I mean. So I can't meet the needs of my family. I can't meet the needs of society. I can't really do my job that well. I can't be all I need to bring up my children in the way God requires. I can't be a good friend, good neighbor, good husband, good wife. I can't pray. I can't worship. I can't teach people. I can't serve people. I can't love people. I can't obey God. Just in myself. I can't, can I? Because there's always another more that there would need to be. Of course, I can do all of those things in my own strength to a degree. But what value is that? It's not. It's only as I let go and realize I have nothing except the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit work in me so that he's there with me meeting the needs of my family, my children, helping with my work, my worship, my obedience, whatever it is that I'm going to do. See, in the kingdom, there's no place for self-reliance. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, and Paul talks to the Galatians, doesn't he? And he talks to them about how they'd received the Spirit by faith. And he was saying to them, you began in the Spirit. Don't now walk in the flesh. Keep going in the Spirit. And again in Galatians, if we live by the Spirit, let's walk by the Spirit. You see, flesh cannot please God, Romans 8. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if anyone doesn't have the Spirit, they don't belong to him. See, there's no place for self-reliance. We need to rely totally on Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the risen Jesus inside of us. There's a book by Andrew Murray on the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to read a quote out of it. Um, 
he's talking about the promise that Jesus gave that the Holy Spirit would dwell in us. Um, So he's speaking about that verse in John, which says, he that believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out of him. And he says, believing is that power of the renewed nature, which forsaking self and dying to it makes room for the divine, for God, the glorified Christ to come and take possession and do his work. Faith in Jesus bows in lowly stillness and poverty of spirit to realize that self has nothing and that another, the unseen spirit, has now come in to be its leader, its strength, and its life. And that's what this is all about, this getting to this place of being, having, I have nothing except, I have nothing except the Holy Spirit. I have nothing except the Holy Spirit. I love it in Acts when you read, um, and you read it of several, you read it of Stephen, you read it of Peter, you read it of Paul, where um, it says, um, Peter, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Um, Paul, full of and controlled by the Spirit. And that's my prayer, that I want to get to that place where it's Olive, full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I can see that's where you want to get to too. And the only way we get to that place of being full of and controlled by is when we empty ourselves of anything that's self and allow him to rule and to reign and to be in that place. So I want to suggest to you that it is terribly exciting if we can get to that place where we can say, I have nothing except the Holy Spirit. We're on a journey on that one. (laughs) So what happens next in the story? The man of God tells her to go outside and borrow empty vessels from her neighbors, not too few. And borrow means ask for, seek or beg. And I wrote this. I'm going to read this bit because it was like, this is what I thought. I thought, if I was that woman, right, I've got nothing. I've lost my husband. My kids are about to be taken into slavery. The man of God tells me to go and get some empty vessels from my neighbors. Where's the logic in that, man of God? I've just got this jar of oil. And you want me to go and get empty vessels? I think I'd rather stay inside the walls of my house with my problem. How's going outside of my comfort zone, gathering empty vessels, going to help? But I felt the Holy Spirit say to us, no matter how little you have, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have something that your friends and neighbors don't have. Your vessel is full. Theirs is empty. So don't keep what you've got for yourself. If you do, it won't last long, only that long. Go outside your walls, find the empty vessels, bring them into your house and begin pouring And I believe that's a challenge that the Holy Spirit certainly is giving to me and I think to all of us. The challenge is that in that situation where we just want to curl in on ourselves, go in that safe place of what we know, is to step out and look out to others, to gather those empty vessels and to begin to pour because it's his Holy Spirit that's going to be doing the work. She was told to get not a few And I had a funny moment in my mind where I was imagining this. And I was imagining if we got somebody like Eddie or Isabel, some of these little kids, to go and said to them, oh, we need, mummy needs some some jars, some vessels. Will you go and ask neighbours, assuming it was safe, to get some? They'd go with enthusiasm, wouldn't they? They would go and they would bring you back loads, more than you could deal with. They would bring loads, wouldn't they? Because they'd be so enthusiastic. And they'd just go and do it with that childlike enthusiasm. And I imagined teens doing it. (laughs) And Esther's laughing. That would probably be, oh, do I have to, mum? 
yes. <laughs> Mum says, do you have any empty jars? <laughs> Sorry, I had to be a boy, didn't I? I don't know why I had to be a boy, I just did. Um, and then that, but then I thought, what about me? What would I sound like? And mine goes like this. I'm sorry. I'm so really sorry to trouble you. Um, I don't want to be a bother, but you don't have any empty jars. I mean, only if you have. You know, I, I, I'm really sorry. I don't, want, I, I don't worry. Don't worry about it. That's more likely to be me. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, in this story, this woman did as the prophet told her to do. And she went and collected not a few empty vessels. And the challenge for us is that we need to obey. You see, the Spirit can only move and do something when we've obeyed him. And it might be that the thing he's asking just doesn't make sense. You know, why would collecting empty vessels make any sense to that woman? She didn't know what was about to happen. We have the beauty of hindsight. She had no clue. What is collecting empty vessels going to do to solve my problem? We sometimes don't know what it is that the Spirit is asking us to do. Why? It doesn't make sense to us. But the key thing is our obedience. You see, if we yield and obey, then the Spirit can move. The fullness of the Spirit can come. She was then told to go inside, shut the door, and to bring, begin pouring into all the vessels. Have you noticed that the place of our pouring is usually the secret place? I can see some people relate to that. I can relate to that. So the miracle of multiplication happened in secret behind the closed door. She poured and God multiplied. We do before God's eyes only what he asks us to do. And he brings that multiplication, brings that increase, does that miracle. You know, it reminded me of Jesus telling his disciples, when you pray, go into the secret place, close the door behind you, and your father who sees in secret will reward I think there's a need for us to do our pouring often in the secret place. We've gathered, we're pouring. It might be that it's through prayer, but it might be even our sharing what we've got to share with our neighbors, our talking, our love, our good deeds, whatever it is. But the key thing is that we're not doing any of it for recognition or public accolade, but in secret for God's eyes only. It's such a thing of the heart, this, isn't it? It's such a thing of the heart. And only you... And God, by his spirit, can judge your heart. I'm not going to judge anybody's heart. But I constantly bring my heart before God and say, I don't want to be doing anything for man's recognition or man's accolade. I only want to be doing what you want for you. And it doesn't matter if other people see it or even if they ignore it or even if they don't realize what I'm doing. That's not what it's about. It's about God. Now, I just want to put a caveat in here because there's clearly a good place for us to hear testimonies from people. You know, when people share testimonies um, of things that God has done in their life, I see Rachel and I remember reading your beautiful testimony earlier um, and to see you now, it's great. So those testimonies are brilliant because your heart was so pure in that and other people obviously um, will have done that. And when we genuinely are sharing testimony from where what God has done in our lives and where he is definitely the only one getting the glory, that's great and it serves as a real encouragement for all of us, doesn't it? So that there's a right place for that but I'm sure you like me have sometimes been in a place where someone is sharing something about things and you just get the feel that it's all about them and it's not actually about Jesus it's not actually about giving glory to Jesus it's about me they wanting me to know what they've done or how big they are or how great they are and Jesus hates that he saw it in the Pharisees all the time he hates that and he always called it out 
He always called it out and said, oh, I don't want that. I hate that attitude. So God help us to judge and guard our hearts that we don't ever look to be doing things for those wrong motivations, but we only ever are looking to do what God is asking us to do in order that he gets the glory, in order that he gets the honor, in order that he is acknowledged as the one who has brought the increase and done what we or I couldn't do. Anything we have from the Holy Spirit is all from him. He's the only one that can get the glory for it. So let's guard our hearts. So then all the vessels were full. She said to her son, give me another one. And he said, there aren't any more. They're all full. And then the oil stopped flowing. Only then. And God has promised to give his Holy Spirit to those that ask, hasn't he? And I know that as long as I keep asking, he'll keep giving. As long as I keep pouring, he'll keep giving. There'll be more oil for me. There'll be enough. Why might it stop? Maybe I stop asking. Maybe I stopped pouring. Maybe I only collected two vessels in the first place. But I believe that God wants to encourage us that even when we feel we don't have enough, to remember that we do have his Holy Spirit. So whatever we sense he's calling us to do in terms of our service for him, even if we can't see how on earth we can do that, then if we start pouring, he'll keep the oil flowing. He'll give us his spirit. See, the Holy Spirit isn't just for us to enjoy and keep for ourselves. It's to be poured out into those empty vessels. So God, help us keep pouring out. And I want to take a little side alleyway here, my straight course, into another story about oil and a widow, funnily enough, and a prophet, but a different one which is found in 1 Kings, chapter 17, verse 8, starting in verse 8. So this is talking, this is Elijah, so the prophet that preceded Elisha. And it was the time of the drought because Elijah, according to the word of the Lord, had prophesied that there'd be no rain in the land for three years, if you remember that. So if you're the prophet and you've prophesied that, the trouble is you also are going to be a bit in want for the next three years. But thankfully for you, if you're the prophet, God's looking out for you. So the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't fear. Go and do as you've said, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me. Afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour will not be spent and the jug of oil will not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. Good on her. And she and her, she and he and her household ate for many days and the jar of flour was not spent and neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken through Elijah. 
See, we can often feel, I've only got this little, I've only got this little time, this little energy, this little gift, this little thing, this little, this little, this little. I've only got a little. And I think I need that. Because if I don't have it, I might starve. I think my son might need that. Otherwise, he might die. But the prophet says, make it for me first. And it reminded me how Jesus says to us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, there was a miracle that took place because she took that risk of giving to someone ahead of looking out for herself, ahead of looking out for herself. And she believed what he said. She believed that promise that had been made to her, that when you do that, that jar, um, jar of oil won't run dry and the flour won't run out. And that's what happened. So instead of just having one little loaf, she had a loaf of bread for the next two and a half at least years. I don't know how many months into the three years it was that she had that encounter. But it was a long time either way. And it didn't run out because she was willing to trust that what God said was true. And we can do the same, can't we? We can find it hard sometimes. And it is a sacrifice. That was a sacrifice for that woman. She had to, you know, I don't know if I would have done that, if I'm honest. Yeah, I don't know if I would have done that. I hope I would. I hope I would have believed what God said. But there are so many times in my life, and I guess in yours too, where we can think like, oh, if I do that, then and God says to us, are you willing to lay it down for my kingdom? Because if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then he will add. He's promised us to never let us be without, but to give us what we need. These are challenging words, and I know I don't live them in as much as I feel there might be a time coming when I might. <laughs> yeah. But they're challenging words for us. They're challenging words for us because God is at work in our hearts and calling something from us. But we know that we can trust him. So let's go back to our first story. Then lots of jars. <laughs> so when she, um, the, the oil had stopped. That's where we got to in the story. So the oil had stopped. And she suddenly realized, ah, oh, he didn't tell me what to do after that point. I better go back to the man of God then. So she goes back to the man of God and said, I've done that. And all the jars are full. Now what? Still got the creditors banging on my door. Still don't have an answer, but I've got all these jars of oil. And Elisha says to her, go and sell what you've got and pay off your debts. That's the first bit he says to her. We have a debt too, don't we? You see, Jesus has freely poured out his love and his life for us. And we've freely received. Now we can freely give. He doesn't command it of us. He doesn't tell us we have to. He looks for our willingness. He looks for us to freely give, to freely give. We can love because he first loved us. He gave his life for me. Now I voluntarily choose to surrender every day my life to him. Just as he was a sacrifice to me, now I want to present my body as a living sacrifice for him. But just like God, that wasn't all. It didn't just pay off the debt. He then said, you and your sons can live off the rest. That's a lot of oil. I don't know how much slaves would have cost in those days, but the price of two slaves, let's assume they were early teens, strapping young lads, they'd have cost, you know, they'd have got a pretty penny, wouldn't they? Imagining selling Noah for some money, you'd get a bit of money for him, yeah? <laughs> um, so it would, that would have been enough. But then enough your living costs for the rest of your life. That's a lot of oil. But isn't that just like God, that he gives us more than enough, doesn't he? Let's read Luke chapter 11. Starting at verse 
9. Back to this verse I quoted earlier. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the promise we have, isn't it? That how much more will he give us this promise um, of the Holy Spirit? So in that story, this widow had this jar of oil, and there's this sense that I don't know why she had a jar of oil, but there is this kind of sense, isn't there, that she kind of knew it was valuable, that she knew it was important. Because she said, that's when he said, what's the thing of value you have in your house? That's what she said. I've got a jar of oil. And I feel like the Holy Spirit this morning wants to challenge us. Are we aware of the value and the importance and our need of oil, of our need of the Holy Spirit? Are we aware of the value and the need we have of the Holy Spirit that we have inside of us? When we were born again, we received the Spirit the Spirit of God is inside of us, and he gives to us again and again every time we ask more and more of his Spirit as we let ourselves get out of the way and let him come and take control. And Jesus warns us about um, this in one of his parables, and I'm just going to read that one too. In Matthew chapter 25, and verse, starting at verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps And went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. The bridegroom was delayed and they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there'll not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. There's a sense that the bridegroom was a long time coming and that everyone had gone to sleep. Everyone had gone to sleep. But some of them were prepared. And when the shout came up, they were ready. And I believe that like the widow, like the five wise virgins, there's a a call to us to say, are we ready? Are we prepared? Do we have our supply of oil? Do we have our vessel full? Do we value that we need to keep coming? Because how do you get oil? You get oil by coming into the presence of God. You get oil by daily, daily, daily seeking him, asking him, waiting on him, asking him for, realizing that you need it and being rid of yourself and the things that get in the way of him coming. So are you aware of how valuable that spirit inside of you is? Are you aware of your need of him? Are you aware that 
we need to keep coming to him for more, keep coming to him to always have that supply of oil. I'm going to ask Annette, there she is, to come up and play. Because I feel, I feel like, like that was all from that story. And there are lots of points in there. And I want us just to take some time just to recap and for you to have a chance to respond to what you feel the Holy Spirit has been saying to you this morning. There'll be different aspects that will have spoken to different people. So I'm going to ask you just to shut your eyes. You can stay seated at the moment. Just shut your eyes. We're going to think about what our response to what the Holy Spirit might be. The first thing to say is that, of course, we receive the Holy Spirit when we're born again. Like it said in one of the verses that I read out, that if you're born of God, you have the Spirit. And if you don't, then you don't belong to Him. I don't know everybody in this room. So if you've never yielded your life to Jesus before, if you've never said, I want to make you Lord Jesus, then I want to invite you to take that response today that you might receive the Holy Spirit, be born again. You know, the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths, Jesus, you are Lord, and believe in our hearts that Christ raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So if that's you and you've never made that commitment to him before, you've never made Jesus your Lord, then while everyone's got their eyes shut, why don't you just wave me a finger so that I can direct you to someone at the end to talk to Maybe God spoke to you or the Holy Spirit spoke to you this morning about being overwhelmed about a situation. And the Holy Spirit challenged you about the way you're talking about it and about how he wants you to take it to him. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know what to do. If that's you, why don't you just talk to him about that now? Make that decision that you're going to watch your mouth, guard your mouth, guard your heart, bring things to him. That He'll give you his perspective. He'll give you his wisdom what to do. Maybe this morning you realized that actually you're a bit self-reliant instead of relying on the Holy Spirit. And you want to pray this morning, God, I want to get to that place where I have nothing except your Holy Spirit. I choose to deny myself, my flesh, the things I can do, and rely on your Holy Spirit. Well, maybe you felt like I'm empty, I've got nothing to give to those people outside of my world, those those needs around me that I can see. And the Holy Spirit challenged you this morning by saying, you have the Holy Spirit. You have something in your jar that others don't have. And the challenge to you is, will you go out, collect some vessels and start pouring?
Maybe you were challenged by your attitude. What are you doing things for? Who are you doing things for? Man's praise or just God's? Being content to be seen only in the secret place. The wonderful thing about God is that when we recognize things like that in ourselves, all we have to do is repent. God, I'm so sorry. Rid me of that attitude. I want only your glory, your honor, only your praise. Or maybe you were challenged by the fact that you haven't guarded the oil, the Holy Spirit in your life. You haven't valued him. You haven't seen the potential that a bit of oil, a bit of the Holy Spirit can do. And God's challenging you by his spirit this morning to value that which he has deposited inside you, that Holy Spirit, and to keep coming to him, to keep coming to him and asking for more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe God's challenging you to do something that you sense is what God is asking you to do, but you can't make sense of it. Why should I go and get all those vessels? It doesn't make sense. Keep asking, keep seeking, be ready to obey. Be ready to obey even when it doesn't make sense, trusting Him that as you pour, He'll supply the oil. As you pour, He'll supply the oil. I want to read one last thing from Acts. When the disciples had been preaching the gospel and the authorities hadn't liked it, and they'd taken them to court and said, don't do this anymore. They went back, and as a congregation of believers, this is what they prayed. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I think we need a bit of a dose of that Holy Spirit, don't we? I do anyway. Don't know about you. And we know that if we ask, God will give. So I want to invite you, if you're willing, if you're able, if you want to respond, if you want more of the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to speak God's word with boldness while God stretches out his hand to heal and wonders are done in the name of Jesus. If you want to be filled more with the Holy Spirit in order to give, in order to pour out, then I invite you right now to stand and we're just going to pray together for more of that Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we yield to you right now. We recognize that you are the most valuable commodity. 
sorry to use the word commodity, but I think you get what I mean. You are the most valuable person that we could have. And we want more of you. We want more of you. We're asking for more of you, Holy Spirit. We recognize what we cannot do in our own strength and that sometimes we've tried to do in our own strength, but it's just not enough. Holy Spirit, we need more of you. We need more of you and we invite you now to come and fill everybody in this place, every every heart in this place that has stood with a purity of heart and a purity of intention to say, Jesus, I need more of your Holy Spirit. I need more of your Holy Spirit. I want to preach the Word with boldness. I want to love my neighbours like I can't do myself. I want to serve you and obey you like I can't do in my own strength. I need more of your Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that there would be a falling of your Holy Spirit on each and every heart a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit on every heart in this place. Move, Holy Spirit, we ask you to. Fill us afresh, we receive you. Move, Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill us afresh. We receive you. We receive you. Come, Holy Spirit, we need more of you. We need more of you. We open our hearts up to you. We need more of you, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. Fill us anew. Fill us anew. Fill us anew. Fill us anew. Because we want to pour our lives out for Your glory, Jesus. We want to pour our lives out for Your glory, Jesus.